How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are back at it again. We're in the book of Philippians, and we are still in chapter 1. But there's just so much information in the first chapter that we decided to break it up. And we're going to uh, just continue on here, uh, picking up at verse, uh, I was going to say 14, but we're at 13. And uh, again, just looking at uh, what Philippians is all about, as it's considered the happiest book of the Bible, and um, and the, the overall theme that we see here, peace, grace, and joy. Peace, grace, and joy. So we're going to take a look more at uh, how uh, how Paul is getting this across in his discussion to the Philippians. As some of the examples that he's left for us so if you have any comments questions issues insights regarding this uh, study at hand please by all means go ahead and ask away if it's not related to the topic at hand if you just uh, please just hold that to our next broadcast as we want to try to limit our rabbit trailing so good morning good morning thank you so much for joining in Alrighty, so grab your tea grab your coffee Grab your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 1, verse 13. Grab your uh, pens and notebooks. Uh, you want to make sure that you're taking your notes and all that stuff. Some people say, well, I don't really take notes. Or I don't know how to take notes. or uh, I've never really been into that. Well, the point of note-taking not only is just for your own personal benefit, uh, but uh, also it helps you stay engaged it also protects your mind from wandering, that kind of thing. And when you're writing stuff down, even just write down the references, uh, the verses that jump out at you, the words that stand out to you. If you have a thought, just jot it down. It keeps you engaged and it helps you to learn how to study even deeper. So there's some benefits to it. You don't have to if you don't want to, but uh, strongly recommended. All right, so Philippians chapter 1. Now, the next part here is something that uh, the Lord uh, really spoke to me about a while back. Um, there's a getting ahead of myself, but as a as an example that's left in Scripture regarding those that uh, seek contentions and strifes and issues and problems, or as we see here in Philippians one verse thirteen, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of good will. The, the one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Verse 18. What then? Notwithstanding every way whether in pretense or in truth christ is preached and i therein do rejoice yea and will rejoice the point is that christ is preached and that it does get across and that people do hear of him and uh, we see as well uh an example that's left in verse 14 that uh the philippians for example were strengthened and encouraged by Paul's example of continuing on even though arrested. Even though something happens, we see him uh, keeping the faith, fighting the good fight, and staying the course. 
verse 14, and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And they become bold as well. Em emboldened is the word. And many of the brethren are emboldened uh, by see seeing how what's happening to Paul, it encourages them. They want, they want to uh, keep pushing forward. And as we see in scripture, Ephesians 3.12. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. And we pair this with Hebrews 4.16. Hebrews 4.16. Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, the boldness comes from the Lord. He gives us boldness, gives us strength to stand. He, he helps us to keep pressing on. As you see in Scripture, fear not him which can kill the body, but fear him which can kill both body and soul in hell. We fear the Lord. We don't fear anything of this world. We don't care what the, what the governments, what the emperors and kings and authorities say. We don't care. We ought to obey God rather than men. You see, their opinions, their feelings are irrelevant in this matter. The word of God must be preached. Yes, we are to obey the laws of the land and all of this. But when those laws contradict the word of God, we do not have to follow that. See, there are some uh, that profess to be Christians who would push that matter and say, no, we're supposed to obey all laws, doesn't matter. Well, what if the law says you're not allowed to preach Christ? See, where do you draw the line? You see... We follow the word of God, and if something is in contradiction, direct contradiction to the word of God, even remotely, then it's wrong. And it would be sin to follow that. It would be sin to bow the knee to that which is in contradiction to the faith. So, this is what the saints are seeing as Paul using this example. And they are emboldened by this understanding. And so there's no confusion. There's no fear. There's no heaviness in this. Many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Without fear. That is to uh, forbear their threatenings, is ignore their threatenings. Uh, we are to ignore uh, their hate. We were already told that they will hate you because of me, as Jesus says. And as as one preacher put it, what makes you think that you're going to be treated any better than the way they treated your master? Think of that one. Now, in preaching the word and speaking the word, in verse 15, some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. Now, the word of God says uh, in Titus chapter 3, let's go to Titus chapter 3. There's something very important over here. If I can ever turn there. One of those days my pages are sticking. Titus chapter 3, starting at verse 9. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and what? Avoid what? Contentions. Avoid contentions. Where, where you be butting heads butting heads, arguments, and strivings about the law. 
and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. Unprofitable and vain. Now, this is where I have to preface it in this way. I'm kind of speaking from my own personal opinion on this one. But I, I do think it bears a point. There are a lot of preachers, a lot of ministries out there that are in the field of apologetics, in defense of the word of God, that kind of thing. But they um, are quite bickering and contentious. Now, I've watched a lot of videos uh, of their apologetics, of their debates, of their discussions, and... It drives me crazy every time when they start getting into a battle with the atheists, the unbelievers, or whatever. And you, you hear it. You see it. That where there's hardly any scripture being said, and they're just arguing, point, arguing, point, and they're arguing for the sake of arguing to win the argument. They're trying to win the argument, not the soul. Uh, I see street preachers who get out there and they just start getting in yelling matches with the heathen. You see people, for example, that the preachers or street preachers, and there's one thing that drives me crazy, is they go to the abortion clinics. Now, I'm 100% against abortion. Abortion is murder. Uh, it's infanticide. But these individuals, they go to the abortion clinics to protest and all this, and they just get into yelling matches the people don't you know you're murdering babies you're murdering babies well you are but and, and the people start yelling back screaming back obscenities and these people start yelling back at them about this oh. what is that achieving you're not getting anywhere your own words your arguments your, your zealousness is not what's going to convict the hearer there's only one thing that will convict, and that's the word of God. If you're arguing for the sake of arguing, arguing to win the argument, you're not going to win the soul. You're not going to convert the hearer. You're not going to get anywhere. You want to learn to use scripture. You want to avoid contention. Avoid strife. Avoid fighting. Avoid that bickering and the butting of heads in that way. If they don't want to hear it, leave them alone. That's their choice. You're not going to wind up converting them when they're yelling and angry and storming around and spitting at you and you just keep on and on and on and on. You have a better luck converting a brick out of the wall by banging your head on it. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife. See, they may have good intentions. Christ may be mentioned even though they are being contentious and bickering and fighting about this very argumentative christ is preached that's not the best way as he says uh, some indeed preach christ even of envy and strife and some also of goodwill years ago the lord convicted me on that one because i used to be um quite aggressive in that uh, quite aggressive in my uh debates quite aggressive in my uh, arguing and all that kind of thing and the lord got a hold of me on that one and that it's that's not the best thing you're not leaving a good example and so i repented of that and got myself uh, right in that in that one 
And we see in verse 16, the one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, not sincerely. Now we see, yeah, you may have a personal sincerity that, that you truly, you know, are, are, are going out there because you're trying to convert, you're trying to sway, you're trying to get them to understand and believe, but the, it's, it's not personal sincerity, it's sincerity of Christ. Are you preaching yourself? Or are you preaching Jesus Christ? What is the primary focus? Now, the one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. And here's the other thing that uh, I want want to get across. Yeah, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Now, now, I've done a, a lot of street preaching and a lot of different kinds of run-ins. A lot of people come across Christians, heretics, cultists, atheists of every kind. People of all stripes and colors of everything. Um, some people get really, really, really mad. <laughs> when you go out in the street and you start preaching Jesus Christ, you're going to see every kind of opposition. Uh, three times I've had people actually try to kill me. Um, but uh, the, the the Lord spoke to me the, uh, the one time on this. I would get perturbed, annoyed when people come up and they hold their phone in their face. They're recording you and they're mocking you and cursing you and everything. And they're trying to entrap you and all of that kind of thing. And it, it's just, And they won't go away. And the Lord spoke to me on, on that and and about how they're recording me for the purpose of posting these videos of them recording me mocking me on this but posting these videos on their social media and the lord had me think about that one for a moment and i'm like you're right lord you're right they're helping me unknowingly that they're actually assisting in spreading the word. Sure, their intention is to mock, but they're recording me preaching the gospel, and then they're posting these things on their social media. So I changed my tune, and when I would go out in the street and I'd see people taking pictures, because I have my big gospel signs with me, and uh, they're taking pictures or they're, they're recording me. I'll turn to them. I'll smile. I'll give them a, th a thumbs up. Say, hey, thanks for helping me spread the word. Often that they would just stop and storm off. <laughs> but uh, but that's what he's getting at here. That's what Paul's getting at here. Uh, the one, pre uh, one is in contention and one is in love. Some not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. Verse 18, what then? Notwithstanding, either way, every way, Christ is preached. Whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And the I therein do rejoice. So what do we, what do we see here? What's Paul getting at? What's, what's he getting at? How, how you're viewing it. It's your view of this is that we are to avoid contention. We are to avoid strifes. We are to avoid that which would uh, contradict the nature of Christ. Sure, 
on a personal level we may not like what they're doing but you got to think past the, the physical and look at the spiritual aspect here what are they doing what's happening we're seeing manifestations of truth that the word of god is convicting them because why else would they be getting upset if the bible is fake news why are you getting upset at it why does it get you so worked up if the bible is just myths and fairy tales then why does it make you so upset why do you why does it make you have to go out of the way to mock the street preacher to mock the evangelist uh, to 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 fight and bicker and all that you don't see people doing that with with santa claus you don't see people doing the easter bunny or tooth fairy or whatever else but with jesus there's something else now, we on a level want to avoid contentions and strifes. If they get all contentious, if they get all striving about it, if they get all bickering and fighting and they get angry, they get worked up or whatever else, ignore it. Christ is preached. Christ is preached. And they may go their way spreading the word. You know, there's a crazy man over here. They're assisting. They're assisting. You see, like, for example, Jesus came... For this purpose am I come, as he said, to go to the cross. Now, the devil was trying to persecute Christ, was wanting to kill him, wanting to stop him. But I don't believe the devil is that smart in that he understands Scripture. He he may know how to quote it, but he doesn't understand it because it's spiritually discerned. See, he, he can recite it, but he has no understanding. See, because he has not that understanding, he doesn't understand the whole purpose and the point of, of the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when he stirred up this Sanhedrin and all the Jews and Judas Iscariot and all this to persecute Jesus, he was just fulfilling scripture. He was just fulfilling prophecy. He was helping push forward the, the, the fulfillment of prophecy because for this purpose am I come. So don't get worked up about, about those that oppose. It's just yet proving a fulfillment of the word of God. It's proving the power of the word of God. It's proving the truth. So rather pity them and rejoice that Christ is preached. Rejoice that Christ is preached. Whether that they, it, it be in sincerity or not, rejoice that Christ is preached. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. And there are those that come along to try to oppose you. They don't like the way you're doing it. They may be brethren, but they don't like the way you're doing this. They don't like this. I had some people getting all mad at me because I'm rather loud. <laughs> well, I'm a street preacher. I'm also hard of hearing. I'm mostly deaf. So I can be rather loud. And some days my ears are more plugged and I can be a bit louder. My wife's always telling me quiet use your indoor voice and uh, i'm the kind of guy that doesn't need a microphone i really do not need a microphone um i was at street preaching uh this one one town up north we were on vacation i took some my uh, street preaching stuff and uh, one day i went out to do some uh, street evangelism my dad came with me he says it was rather funny because he's like way down the street and he says you could hear my voice just echoing booming down the, the streets all the side streets the whole town could hear me and i i'm just using my voice i'm not using megaphone or anything and, but some people really don't like that 
They really don't like the the style of preaching, the way you're preaching, what you're preaching, how you're preaching, any of this kind of thing. And they're going to come to, to add affliction to, to what you're doing. Ignore them. Absolutely ignore them. Rejoice that Christ is preached. Ignore the opposition. Ignore the haters, wherever it comes from. Ignore the negativity. Rejoice that Christ is preached and ignore those who just want to add affliction to your bonds. So, verse 18. If you're into underlining, highlighting, or marking in your Bible, please do so with verse 18. Notwithstanding, every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Because this goes hand in hand with what we see in another passage where it talks about rejoice in tribulations. Rejoice in all things. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in every way, whether in pretense or truth, whether in sickness or health, weakness or strength, whether hungry or full, rich or poor, whatever it is, king or pauper, whether you're in home or homeless, whether you're in the metropolis, the jungle, the desert, the, 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 the ocean, the islands, it doesn't matter where, what, how, why, whatever it is. In freedom or in prison, rejoice. Rejoice in all things. Rejoice in tribulation. Rejoice. When the heathen rage, rejoice. When the saints praise, rejoice. Because Christ is preached and you're doing your job. God is magnified. The Lord is on your side. He is pleased. And that's all that matters. God doesn't care if you're bellowing it out and just rip it, ripping it down the, the streets and echoing off the buildings. He, or you're just whispering to a one-on-one, -on -one, handing them a track, whispering one-on-one. -on -one. God he doesn't care. The point is that it's getting preached. The word of God says to lift up your voice like a trumpet. To preach it from the rooftops. And he says to go and 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 strengthen the things that remain to strengthen the brethren, to, to comfort them, to pray for them. Praising, preaching, proclaiming, it doesn't matter how. The, the fact is that it is. That Christ is preached. And that's all that matters. Our lives are meant to praise the Lord. To praise Him in all things. In every way. And it doesn't matter how, as long as He is as long as it's in sincerity of Christ, and it's not about you, it's not about you, it's about Christ. And, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Verse 19, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, what does he mean by this? What does he mean by this? Because there are some religious weirdos who, who would kind of take this kind of thing, verse 19, and say, For I know this shall turn to my salvation. Whoa. The, the preaching, the, the working, me righteous works will turn to his salvation? He'll get saved if he keeps this? <laughs> no. No. That's not what he's saying. 
okay, what is the circumstance? What is the context? What's going on? What is the circumstance that Paul is in? He's under house arrest. He's under house arrest. And there's a lot of contention surrounding him. There's a lot of opposition. The Jews are worked up about him. They want him to die. And a lot of the Gentiles are worked up and want him to die. And he's under house arrest. He's going to be hauled up before Caesar and all this. Now, what is this? Is this... Uh, is this salvation salvation from sin or salvation from physical opposition? Well, clearly we know that obviously this isn't talking about salvation from sin. You see, like for example, where it talks about in the Bible where back in the Old Testament, I think it's with uh, in regards to when God is talking to Adam and Eve, talking about uh, the woman uh, when she's in, now, walking with the Lord in the fear of the Lord shall be saved in childbearing. Is that is he saying that women can only be saved if they're giving birth? <laughs> no, but that so we see that every time that mentions salvation or saved, it's not always talking about it in a spiritual sense of like salvation from sin. It means salvation saved from the situation, the issue, uh, the problem, uh, the contention. Uh, the uh, they save from the danger that that is upon them. So we see here that that clearly he's not talking about like in a context of sin, but rather of situation. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation, of what from heaviness, from from heaviness, depression, all of this. Uh, that he learns, I have learned that in, in every way, I have I have learned in everything to be content. He's learned to be content. He's learned to just rejoice that Christ is preached. He's learned to let go of the heaviness, let go of the fear and the worry and the heaviness that is, is saved from self-fear, worry, doubt, heaviness, that kind of thing. That's what he's talking about in verse 19. Through your prayers. As they are praying, they're interceding, and the Lord is delivering. He's helping Paul. He's saving him from these issues that are coming upon him to try to stop him from preaching. He's rejoicing that Christ is preached. Anytime that Christ can be preached, he rejoices, and that saves him from the heaviness, the worry, and that which would try to stop him and hold him down. You see that? That's what it's talking about. Um... And the supply of the Spirit. Now, what's the supply of the Spirit? What is the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter? What does He supply us? Our every need. Whatever you have need of. He'll teach you all things, give you the words to say, teach you how to pray, all of that. He helps you in all things. And because of their prayers, their intercession, Christ is preached. He's delivered from these heavinesses and His needs are met. That's what's saying in verse 19. Okay, so verse 19, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. There it is. You cannot make me feel ashamed of how I serve the Lord. Now let's say this together. Say this one more time. They cannot make us feel ashamed of how we serve the Lord. That's the point there that he's getting to. 
to not be ashamed, to not be ashamed of how we serve the Lord. Whether it's bellowing it out, whispering it in the corners, handing out the tracks, street preaching, pulpit preaching, witnessing one-on-one in crowds, wherever it is, however it is, in whatever way, whatever shape or form, Christ is preached and I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed. I will not be ashamed. You cannot make me feel ashamed. You cannot shame me. And as Paul said to Timothy, let no man despise thy youth. As he was a young man and he was a he was a preacher and he's being sent. And Paul tells him, let no man despise thy youth. You may be young, but you're a servant of God. You're a preacher of the gospel. You're going to minister the faith of Jesus Christ. Don't ever let anyone look down on you, making you feel ashamed and making you feel small. Ignore them. You go serve the Lord, you preach, you square your shoulders, you take a deep breath, and you just let it rip the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you don't care about the naysayers. Don't care about about those that would try to oppose. It doesn't matter if it's a five-year-old child standing on the stage quoting the Bible, talking about Jesus, that Jesus is being preached. You're to be proud of that. Don't ever shame. Don't ever be ashamed. Rejoice that Christ is preached. Rejoice that Christ is preached. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing, in nothing, I shall be ashamed. This is Romans 1.16. Let's go back to Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We are not to be ashamed of our witnessing, not to be ashamed of, of the tract distribution, not to be ashamed of singing the hymns, not to be ashamed of our prayers. <laughs> There's an old joke. It's called the Baptist headache. <laughs> Where you go to a restaurant or you're in public or wherever and you, you have your food, you're about to eat, but you got to pray before you eat. So you just, you're just rubbing your head in here. Lord, I thank you for the food. Amen. <clears throat> and it's called the Baptist headache. You're rubbing your head, trying to disguise it, so so the public they don't see you praying. <laughs> don't be ashamed of praying in public. Don't you be ashamed of praying in public. Don't you be ashamed of praying, of preaching, proclaiming, of witnessing, evangelizing, promoting Jesus Christ. Rejoice that Christ is preached. Rejoice that Christ is preached. Because you don't know. There might be someone nearby and they they overhear you praying that convicts them and they may want to come and ask you about the hope within you stranger things have happened rejoice in all things and again i say rejoice that in nothing i shall be ashamed but that with all boldness verse 20 but that with all boldness as always always bold always bold what does it mean to be bold arrogant no prideful no gently dogmatic it's not about pride it's not about arrogance it's not about the alpha male attitude kind of thing but it's about it's the truth there is a god his name is jesus and except you repent you shall likewise perish 
The truth is that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you must be born again. Or if you be not born again, you will not enter the kingdom of God. Repent to believe the gospel, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Being bold, tell them. It, it's an absolute adamant truth, and you're unashamed of it. It is what it is, and it must be said, it must be told. There's no, it's not about arrogance and pride and belligerence. It's not about hate and hating people, any of that kind of thing. It's just stupid. All because a Christian doesn't support something doesn't mean they hate the people involved with it. You're, you're being bold about the truth because it's the truth. Why should we be ashamed of the truth? For there is only one way, one truth, one life. And it must be promoted. It must be manifested. It must be told. They must hear. And in whatever way it gets out, in whatever way they wind up hearing it, rejoice that Christ is preached. But that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Whether it be by life or by death. Have you ever thought much about your death? You know... It crosses your mind from time to time. How will it happen? Where will it happen? How old you'll be? What will the state it'll be? You think about your death, but then again, what did Jesus say? All those who believe in me will never die. All those who believe in me sh shall never die. What does he mean by that? Your body, your body goes into a state of waiting. For the resurrection well you'll be resurrected and changed in the name of the lord on, on that glorious day but you will live forever you're not you're never going to cease to exist the point is is that our lives right up until the end of our lives we take our last breath our brain fires its last neuron that your life would be honoring unto the lord that you would dedicate your life and dedicate your death that your last breath you never know you never know hey it, i don't mean to be grim but think about it what if what if you're the one that the lord the lord has let's say you the the emergency responder comes and it's hooking you up into uh, bring in the ambulance and what you're about to pa pass away in the ambulance but what if your last breath is giving the gospel to that emergency responder. And you plant the seed of the gospel in their ear. And it's the last thing you say. And it's the last thing he hears from you. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in that moment, it convicts him. And he winds up getting saved because of that. That's the point. Whether in life or death. Wherever you are, whether it's the Coliseum in the street, back alley, or in your bed. The point is, is that your your every breath should be honoring unto the Lord. You praise him in all things. That that Christ shall be magnified in my body. Because, well, he owns you. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. You've been bought with a price. You've been purchased. God owns you. That, that there was a cost of ownership and he paid the cost. God actually owns you. You are God's property. Do you not think he's going to care for you? 
how much more shall he care for you? He'll provide all things. And that he not only just owns you, but he possesses you. He holds you in his hand. He writes your name in his book, surrounds you with his angels, stands by your side. He owns you. A complete and utter ownership. In and out. Up and down. Back and through. God owns you. Magnify him in this. Praise his name. Rejoice that he owns you. Rejoice that he holds you. He'll never let you go. He'll never let you go. He will never disown you. He'll never cast you away. He will never forsake you. Never leave you. He's with you always. Even until the end of the world. And then when you... Take your last breath. The angels of God will carry you into his presence. And you stand before the Lord on that glorious day. That glorious morning. And there he is. There is his face smiling down at you. And you hear those blessed words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Welcome into the joy of your Lord. I'm waiting to hear that. I'm longing to hear those words. Will you hear them? Will you hear them? So now also, verse 20, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. And we, and we take a look at this. Verse 21, for me to live is Christ. Look at the way that's worded. The way that's worded there. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To die is gain. What what is our gain? Something something that we wind up possessing, something that we wind up owning, holding, we we wind up achieving, we wind up having in our possession. What what is our gain? Christ. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. To give our lives fully to Him, in magnifying Him, preaching Him, declaring Him, showing Him to the world. For me to live is Christ. Galatians 2.20. Let's take a look at Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who's, who loved me and gave himself for me. Look at this. I am crucified with Christ. Now, does that mean we actually go out and get nailed to a cross? No, but symbolically, as we die to self, we die to the flesh, we die to the affections and, and lusts, and everything from this point forward is for him and to him and through him in all things, in everything that we do. Christ is preached. Christ is magnified. We need more holy men and women of God who will take this seriously and will, will seek to desire, to want to understand the depth of this. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I am alive physically, yet not I. But it's not about me. It's not about me. From this point forward, R.I.P., my flesh ceases to exist. My life ceases to exist. It's no longer about me. What you used to know of me is gone. That person is now gone. 
What's standing before you is an entirely new person, a different person. It's no longer about me, about my goals, my desires, my lusts, my wants, and my achievements. Not about me. The job is not about me. The home's not about me. The car, the bills, the cupboards, everything. The kids, the cars, the cows. It's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ magnified. I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. There is one preacher who put it this way, that God the Father sits on the throne, reigning sovereign, has no need of a body. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, already has a body, has no need of a further body. But the Spirit of Christ... The spirit of Jesus Christ, which dwells in the heart of every believer, has need of a body. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Spirit of Christ, has need of a body. Will you give him yours? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life, look at this, look at the words. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's Luke 9.23. Let's look at Luke 9.23. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And Jesus says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Leonidas, I didn't read a, 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 there's a specific word there because that's the way that a lot of people read it. They don't understand the context. Uh, of the full meaning. See, the way they quote it, let him deny himself, take up the cross, and come follow me. But Jesus added another word in there. It's a very, very important word. But if you miss that word, you will not understand what it means to die to self. You will not understand what it means to live for Christ in everything. You will not understand that principle. The word is daily. Daily. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. It's not a one-time thing where the preacher says, all who want to, want to live for the Lord, raise your hand. And everybody raises their hand. But the moment the sermon's over, they kind of start to forget about it and they may be on fire for the Lord for that day and it might carry over a little bit of fervency into the next day. But then what about Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? How many of you folks have a wood stove or a wood furnace? Have you ever have you ever had had a, a wood stove, wood furnace, or let's say you gone camping, whatever? You ever had an actual bonfire? You started up a bonfire. You see, bonfires, wood stoves, wood furnaces—they're they're pretty easy to use, right? You just put wood on them once, and you just forget about it. 
You don't ever have to deal with it. You don't ever have to keep stoking it. You don't have to keep adding wood or anything. Just one, one log, that's good, and it'll last forever. Just one log, and it'll last forever, right? You just throw one log in the thing, and you just throw the match in there. Don't have to worry about it. it, it it's self-sufficient. It just keeps it going. And it just maintains itself, right? No. You see, fire is a fickle thing. It has to be tended. You can't just grab a log, throw a log down, take a match, and throw a match on it. And there you go. Not that there's coaxing. There's a coaxing. You see, it starts small. You have to take little slivers of wood, very thin, very small, and a little bit of paper or sawdust or whatever you're using, and you set it up, and it has to be you have to be tender, careful, setting it up, and you and you get the fire, you get it set, get that little ember going, get that little flame going, and then you coax it and coax it and coax it and coax it. It's a little bit more, a little bit more. And then it's big enough, you start adding bigger pieces, little bigger pieces, and then the, then it's really good enough. Then you can start standing up the logs and you get it going. That dying to self is like that. Living for the Lord is like that. You see, we all want the outcome we want the ultimate benefit but we don't want to do the work we just want it to be like a snap of the fingers push of a button the flick of a switch and boom we're on fire and we've died to self we want all that but we don't understand it's a process you see salvation is instantaneous but discipleship is a process dying to self following christ is a process your salvation is not affected by it, not hinged upon that, thank goodness, for then who would go to heaven? But following the Lord, dying to self, forsaking all, picking up your cross, following him, is like starting a bonfire and maintaining it. Because if you forget it, you say you set up the bonfire, the wood stove, and you go and you get distracted, what happens? It goes out. It goes up and if you leave it too long the coals start getting cold and dying out then you got to start all over again you got to get the little pieces you got to get some of the embers if there are any left and you got to set it all up and you got to coax coax goes and get it up again but that's the way a lot of christians live from from weekend to weekend they set the fire on Sunday, and then it goes out throughout the week. Then they got to work at getting up on fire again for the next Sunday, and then it goes out again. And, the, and then they wonder why their prayers struggle, their faith struggles. They can't follow the Lord as they want, and they have so many problems. You see, the Lord says daily. Daily, you tend that fire. Daily, you stoke that fire. Daily, you add fresh wood to the furnace, fresh fresh wood to the fire. Daily. How can Christ be magnified in our bodies if we're not even paying attention? If we're not looking at it as a, a daily focus, a daily thing. We, we say we want to honor the Lord with our life and death, but how, but, but, but how are we sincere about that if we're not living for him in, in the moment? 
My life is yours, Lord, but you're hardly paying any attention. I will go to my death for the Lord, but you're not going to your life for him. You say you're going to you give your life for the Lord, but you're not giving him your job. You're not giving him your entertainment. You're not giving him your thoughts. You're not giving him your neighbor. You say you'll stand for the Lord, and like Paul, you'd be willing to walk in, into the Colosseum. You'd be willing to walk to your death. You'd be willing to walk with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace with Daniel in the lion's den. Oh, yes, because the Lord is true. Where's that fervency in your family, your friends, your work, your, the public, the grocery store? Where's that fervency in everything else? You see, we agree in nothing, be ashamed, never be ashamed. But are you? See, what, what is, what is shame? A timidity and a fear, hesitation to speak up because of opposition, afraid of what other people might think of you, afraid other people might think you're crazy, you're stupid, you're wacky, or something else. They'll mock you, scoff, you lose friends, family, so you're just not going to say anything to rock the boat. You're not going to do it. That is shame. You are ashamed if that's the case. You say you're not. The proof is in the pudding. For me to live is Christ. The fact that I'm alive right now, my heart is beating, and I'm able to think, I'm able to see, uh, uh, talk and smell, and then live, I can move, touch, feel, my, my senses, my being, my everything. Look what it says, for me to live is Christ. He lives through me, he speaks through me, he works through me, he lives through me. The words that I say are not mine own words, but his. Think about that one for a moment. Let your speech be always salted with grace that you may know how you ought to answer every man. I will give you the words with which to say in the very same hour. For me to live is Christ. And in everything that you do, do, uh, do all to the glory of God. And whatsoever thy hand finds to do, do with all thy might. He works through me. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. He walks through me. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Why? Because he sees through me. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. His faith is in me. I'll meditate upon the word of God day and night. His word is in my mind. He thinks through me. You see what this means? The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Because I get to go be with him. That's the ultimate outcome. Because I have believed. I am saved. I will go to be with him. And that is my reward. But for now, but for now, while I'm waiting for that ship to come in, while I'm waiting for that train to pull into the station, while I'm waiting, I got a job to do. While I'm waiting, I have my ticket. I know where I'm going. 
Why are you ashamed of your destination? Why would you be ashamed of the destination? Why would you be ashamed of that kingdom, of that king, of that home, of that land, of that glory, of that praise, of that wonder? Why would you be ashamed of him whose name is high and holy and great and mighty that even that the devils tremble at the mention of it, that the gates of hell shake and quake at the presence of it, that when the Lord speaks, the angels quiet, then they praise and rejoice when he moves. Why would you be ashamed of this? Why would you be hesitant? For me to live is Christ. Let the heathen rage. Let the people imagine a vain thing. Cry louder, cry louder. What do you think you're going to do? You think you're going to stop them? You think you can quiet the Lord? You think you can shame God? You think you can kill him? Cry louder, cry louder. Let the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing. Let the kings of the earth gather together. Let the politicians scheme. Let the godless heathens rage. Let the pagans squeal. Let the wolves roar. Let the goats bray. Praise the Lord. Preach the Lord. Don't be ashamed of it. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I know where I'm going and I do not care what anyone says against it. I don't care what you do to me. Arrest me, persecute me, chain me up, throw me in the deepest dungeon. I don't care. The Lord can just open the gates. I'll shake the walls with my preaching. The angels will love to hear if there's no one around. I'll be preaching to the inmates. You can't stop me. For me to live is Christ and die is gain. Look at how they treated the prophets. Look at how they treated the disciples and the apostles. Look at how they treated Jesus Christ. What makes you think that it's going to be any better for you? You signed on for a job. You signed on for a ministry. You signed on for a truth, for the faith. You signed on for it. Now get busy about it. God owns you. He has a job for you. He says, now get out there, stop hiding, stop wallowing in misery, stop fearing, stop fretting, stop doubting, stop worrying, stop soaring, stop, stop all the stopping. Get out there and get it out there. Preach Christ. Preach Christ. In every way, I rejoice that Christ is preached. Do something. And this is what Paul was telling the Philippians. He's encouraging them. Keep going. Keep going. They may arrest you. They may persecute you. They may do horrible things to you. Some of you may die. But rejoice. Rejoice that you give your life for the Lord and that you give your life for the Lord. Whether I live or die, healthy or sick, rich or poor, strong or weak, living or dying, I belong to the Lord and I will serve the Lord. Christ is magnified. Christ is preached. That's the point. And it doesn't matter how as long as it does. They need to hear it. They need to hear it. Whether it's a whisper in the ear or bellowing from the mountaintop, get it out there. Whether it's a candle, a candle in the dark, or it's a raging, roaring inferno. Get it out there. Verse 22. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I want not. What, what comes, I don't, I don't care. I don't get a choice of it. I have a job to do. This is the fruit of my labor. Preaching Christ declaring the Lord God. 
But if I live, this is the fruit of my labor that Christ is preached, that Christ is magnified. Verse 23, for I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. <laughs> Look at what he's saying here. I always get, I always get a chuckle when he says this because uh, I have an image that comes up in my mind. I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. I want to die, <laughs> he says. I want to die, and I want to go home. I want to go be with the Lord, which is far better. But, but, this is more needful. Look what he says. Verse 24, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful. It's more needful. I need to do this. I need to preach Christ. I need to see how many more souls I can bring to the Lord. I need to see how many more more saints I can get on fire for the Lord. So when, when I go, this fire continues. Someone else will keep the, this fire stoked. To abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We have a burden to bear. We have a weight to carry, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. He's carrying our burden. So let us carry his. The cross of Jesus Christ. The ministry, the work, the point, the gospel, the message, the good news, the message of salvation, the message of reconciliation. Let us carry it. It can be a heavy thing, a weighty thing sometimes. But as he says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. We make it heavy by our own fears. We make it heavy by our own worries and cares and stresses. We make the cross heavy by our own timidity, by our own apathy, by our, by our own fear, by our own shame. We make it heavy. But he says it's light. He says my yoke is easy and my burden is light. To abide here is more needful. We have a job to do and we're shirking it. We need to get busy. Verse 25, and having this confidence, I'm confident in this. I know this to be an absolute. I know this to be a certain. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. Having this confidence of this work, this ministry of which I am confident in, I'm confident in Christ, not in myself. You think that I myself as a person enjoy putting myself out there to be the laughing stock of the world, to be the societal pariah, that whenever someone sees me, 
ministering things of the Lord, they laugh and scoff and mock and deride and curse and spit. Um, they even have tried to kill me a few times because this, you think I uh, that, that I enjoy that? I would want. I just want to run and hide in a hole. But this is more needful. I'm confident in this. I'm not confident in myself. A simple back backcountry bump bumpkin. I'm not confident in myself. I'm not. I'm not some high educated, highfalutin theologian, scholar, whatever. I barely know how to talk. <laughs> me, like the one joke, me mother learned me who to spoke in me homie schooled education. And having this confidence, the confidence is in Christ, not myself. But if the Lord can use unlearned, ignorant fishermen, then he can use me. If the Lord can use the base things of the world to confound the wise, he can use me. You can't get any baser than me. Because the strength is in the Lord, not me. The education is in the Lord, not me, not in this world. The power is in the Lord, not me or this world. The strength is in the Lord. The confidence is in the Lord, not me. The confidence is not in my ability to string a phrase, but is in his word. Because I know that he is truth, he speaks truth, and he gave me his truth, and all I got to do is recite it. He gave me a whole book of sermons that people ask, what are you going to speak on? Well, I got a whole book, I'll just pick something. I, don't, I never have to worry about a message. I never have to worry about, about, a, about trying to figure out what is the answer. Just look at it. It tells you. And, not to, not, and to even make it even easier... He's with me, even giving me the answers. I don't have to worry about trying to find it because he tells me. This is why it's a message of joy. It's a life of joy. It's a faith of joy because he made it easy because he made it simple and it's a message of gladness it's a message of love it's a message of love for god so loved that he made it by grace he so loved this world he so loved sinners that he made it by grace not works not of ourselves not by righteous works not by law keeping not by any other name but by him and him alone that if i just would but call upon him in belief i'm saved it's that easy that simple that loving that graceful that merciful that happy that joyous because it's his righteousness not mine it's his strength not mine i don't have to worry about a single thing because he says worry not uh, 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 what will come even tomorrow I have it all planned out he says how much more of a happy joyous message can you get this is what Paul's getting across to the Philippians this is what he's encouraging them in this is what the Philippians are encouraging him in and remembering this get animated start smiling 
Start rejoicing. Raise up the hands which hang down. Strengthen the feeble knees. Confirm the weak ankles. Bellow it out from the rooftops. Jesus Christ is Lord. Live for Christ. Live in Christ. Live by Christ. Through Christ. In Christ. To him and through him are all things. By him all things consist. To die is gain. Look at where you're going. <laughs> because when you look at what Paul is saying here, the, 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 the joke that I was uh, talking about earlier, it says, I'm in a straight betwixt to having a desire to depart. The one preacher I saw years ago, I can never remember their names. That's why I say this one preacher. I can never remember anything. <laughs> but he, he says, he says, you know, I could just imagine it. That Paul, he says here, I'm going to straight to you. I have a desire to part. I want to go to be with the Lord. So, so when the heathen come along, say, you had better stop preaching Jesus Christ or we're going to kill you. What? Really? Really? Please, please. I want to go home. <laughs> Joy and death. I know where I'm going. I'm not even worried about it. I'm not even worried about it. You're going to take my life? I'm going to a better place. I don't have to worry about it. I know where I'm going. Hey, you'll kill me. Eh, it'll be a moment of pain. I don't have to worry about it. It'll be over in the blink of an eye. It'll be over soon. Don't worry about it. I know where I'm going. So as you're killing me, as you're about to chop off my head like you did with Paul, I'll preach to you the gospel. I preach to you the gospel. I know where I'm going. <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your death. Don't worry about your circumstances. Don't worry about the issues. Don't worry about this world. We know what's going to happen. We've read the back of the book. We win. We know where we're going. I know my name's written down in glory. I have nothing to worry about. I'm held in the hand of the mighty Lord God, sovereign king of the universe. I'm in his hand. He's etched me in his hands. He's holding me tight. He seals me with his spirit. He stands me by my side, surrounds me with his angels. He forgives me my sins. And if I mess up, if I sin, he forgives me again. He forgives me again. He's my advocate, my mediator, my intercessor. He'll never let me go. He teaches me all things. He teaches me how to pray. He provides my every need. He gives me the strength, the power, the words, the wisdom, everything. I don't have to worry about a thing. What am I going to do? Sit down and cry. I'm going to get up, I'm going to preach the gospel, I'm going to magnify his name, and I'm not going to be ashamed, and you can't stop me. Well, I can kill you. And that's only temporary, because I'm coming back. I'm coming back on that day when the Lord comes again in the, in the time of this millennial reign, it, when the saints come back with him. I'm coming back to this world, and I'm going to be preaching the gospel from the, from the walls of Jerusalem. And you can't stop me. So take that. If only saints understood the, the immensity of this. If they only understood the depth, the severity. This isn't a joke. This isn't an allegory. This is actual, literal reality. This is what it is. They can't stop us. They can't stop us. They can't stop the church. They can't stop the gospel. They can't stop the word of God. And that's what angers them. That's what angers and fuels the devils is their frustrated rage that they can't stop Jesus Christ. They couldn't stop his birth. They couldn't stop his life. 
They couldn't stop his ministry. They couldn't stop the cross. And they couldn't hold him in the grave. They couldn't keep him on this world. And they can't stop him from coming back. They're going to try to gather together all the military in the world. In the valley of the ghetto. To try to shoot him out of the sky. Good luck with that. Yeah, that's going to go well for you. Rejoice. For God is king and he can't be stopped. His word can't be stopped. Rejoice because they can't stop you. Rejoice because the Lord is always with you. Rejoice because his ear is always bent to you. Rejoice because his eye is always beholding you. Rejoice because his name, his book holds your name. Rejoice that his spirit is within you. Rejoice that his word will always stand strong. Though the kingdoms rise and fall, his word will stand forever. Rejoice that his promises are eternal. It's a message of joy, folks. It's a ministry of joy. Oh, we'll have times where we get frustrated with the stupid things of this world because you're paying too much attention to the stupid news of the stupid media, of the stupid sins of the stupid world. If you allow these things to get in your mind and to build up worry and stress and fear and you forget his promises and then you get worried about what people think, get yourself back to the book. Get yourself back to the promises. Wash, rinse, repeat. Rebuild that fire. Get it all nice and hot and start, start, and start billowing it up because we are a light in the darkness and we need to show them the light. You think the angels are ever ashamed of God? You think the angels are ever silent about his glory? You think they ever hesitate? Why should we? Why should we ever hesitate? Do you not believe this book? Do you not believe this book from cover to cover? Do you doubt his promises? You say you don't. Do you have absolute 100% full assurance in the gospel of Jesus Christ for your salvation? Do you doubt the gospel? No. Do you doubt Jesus Christ? No. Then why do you doubt the rest of the book? Why do you doubt his promises? Why do you hesitate with his name? Why do you hide your prayers? Why are you a secret Christian? The gospel of Jesus Christ is not hell's best kept secret. Get it out there. Start belling it from the rooftops. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I what not. I don't care what comes down the road. For I'm in a straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Now, what is the need? What is an, What is the need? What is the need? Souls would be saved. Why am I preaching Christ? To see souls saved. So, with that in mind, then, how would that change? modify alter our day to day as jesus says pick up your cross daily how would that change your day to day if in everything that you do 
It's for the purpose of maximizing the possibility of seeing souls saved. How do you think that that would alter our lives if that is how we saw everything? That's how we went about to do everything. If in everything that you do, you do it in a way that it would lead souls to Jesus Christ. Because that's what glorifies God. To abide in the flesh is more needful. Well, what is the need? The souls would be saved and the saints would be strengthened. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you. For all, all for your furtherance. I have, I want, I, I need to say is more needful for me to stay so that I can strengthen you for your furtherance in the faith that you would just keep going. So you would keep going for your furtherance and it's needful for me to stay for your joy. For your joy. The joy of what? Joy of faith. If you're into underlining, highlighting, or marking your Bible, do so with verse 25. Underline, highlight, mark verse 25. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. To further the faith. To rejoice in the joy of the faith. Rejoy. Joy again. Rejoice. Verse 26. That you're rejoicing may be, may be more abundant. That you'd rejoice more. Not just on Sunday and prayer meeting. And when you're driving your car and you flip into the station. You come across the Christian radio. And you happen to sing along just for that moment. No, but in everything. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice in everything. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God. Rejoicing in tribulations also. That you're rejoicing. May be more abundant in Jesus Christ. Because you're rejoicing in Jesus Christ. That your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Needful so that I'm with you, I can keep you stoked up. I can keep you on fire. I can keep you worked up. So I've talked about that before. Now, people who know me personally know that um, I have a tendency to be quite a character. Um, I have a tendency of getting people worked up. <laughs> I know how to push people's buttons. And I'm not always doing it on purpose. It just happens. I, I get people worked up. But that's how we're supposed to be spiritually always. That whenever we are around each other, we get each other worked up. I, I joked about this the other day with my dad. I was talking about this exact kind of thing. And and uh, how I mentioned it before, how we are to be like God's hype man. Like God's hype man. We're the ones before, before the individual comes out on the stage, they have someone come out and they just start declaring all, all about the person, their achievements and their accreditation, their, all, all about their life and everything to get the people worked up for the person that's coming out. We are that person. 
We're, we are God's hype man. We're the hype, hype, hype men of Jesus Christ. We get the saints worked up and we get the sinners worked up. <laughs> we get the sinners worked up by going out and declaring the greatness of Jesus Christ. What great things the Lord has done for you. Go and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. That your rejoicing may be more abundant. How do we rejoice? By remembering who the Lord is and what he's done. Remembering how he holds us, how he's with us, how he strengthens us. And, and to stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about him. Because when you start thinking about yourself, you start, you start to fill your mind with your own stresses and worries and issues and problems and whatever else. But if you focus on the Lord, all that dies away. Because the Lord overcomes all those things. But the devil wants you to, to wallow in these things. But the Lord says to let go of these things. Forgetting the things of the past. Take no thought of the morrow. Don't even worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow may not even come. You don't have to worry about it. Maybe I'll die today. Which is far better. But it's more needful for me to be here. So the po But the point is that whether tomorrow comes or not, that doesn't matter. That's up to the Lord. Whether I live for the day or not. This might be the last message I ever give. But even if, it, even if it is, I'll see you in the sky. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Sorrow not like those who have no hope because we know where we're going and we know what, uh, what's going to happen. I know the outcome. Because I know the Lord. That your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Verse 27. Look at verse 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 27. If you're into underlining, highlighting, marking your Bible, do so with the first bit of verse 27. Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Jesus Christ. That you don't speak anything that would betray that. As Abraham Lincoln said, think twice, speak once. Think twice, speak once. Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let your speech be always salted with grace that you may know how you ought to answer every man. I will allow no corrupt communication to proceed out of my mouth. But I speak the things that becometh sound doctrine that glorify the lord jesus christ that would build up the faith that would edify the saints because we we all have a bit of a problem especially lately that problem is is that we're spending way too much time talking about all of the filth and degradation and debauchery and sin and lies and the disgustingness of this world we spend too much time talking about it we spend too much time thinking about it too much time wallowing in that worrying about that freaking out about everything it's time we cut ties with that and let it go delete remove unsubscribe scrub purge if it contradicts the joy of the lord Get rid of it. Let it go. Unfollow. 
delete, remove, unsubscribe, let it go, walk away. Stop talking about it. Stop thinking about it. If it would bring down, tear down, harm in any way, hinder the joy of the Lord, let it go. Let it go. Let your conversation be as it become of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, but but it but it's our job where we're supposed to be informed about what's going on. What is going on in this world that you need to be aware of that the word of God hasn't already talked about? This is the best news station in the universe. The Bible is more up to date about everything that's going on than any news media out there. It not only does it talk about what, what has happened in history, what is happening currently, but it also tells us what's going to happen in the future. The Word of God already tells us everything. Why are you so surprised about what's going on in the world? That just shows to me you're not familiar with what the Word of God says. Because if you're familiar with the Word of God, you're not going to be surprised about what's going on. All I need to know is this. But do you know what, what happened over here? What? Uh, is it wars, rumors of wars, pestilences, plagues, famines? Uh, is it violence in all the world? Uh, have uh, the debaucherous come into the land? Are, are the kings of the earth gathering themselves together against the Lord and against the Lord anointed? Are they persecuting the saints, arresting the saints? Are they killing the saints? let it go only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of christ that whether i come and see you or else be absent i may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel let it go work together for the glory of god for the kingdom of heaven for the kingdom of heaven is at ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called walk worthy of the vocation we have a job to do walk worthy of it now think about the immensity of that meditate on that one just for a moment what does that mean to be worthy of something. Now we are saved. We don't have to earn our salvation. We don't have to maintain to keep our salvation. We don't have to atone for anything. But we have a job to a calling. So what does it mean to be worthy? To walk worthy. That means something that I'm doing. So that the Lord can use me. So that I'm usable. That my attitude, my thinking, my outlook, my behavior, my speech is in is in form of worthiness of the calling. But I strive for the mastery of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I strive for. 
I strive for the mastery of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I pursue the worthiness. I pursue the worthiness. That you stand fast. Remember we talked about that. Planting your, planting your feet, rooting yourself down so you can't be knocked off balance. You may stand fast in one spirit with one mind. Not schismatic. One mind working together in the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. You may be stand, you may stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together. Wait a minute. I thought it says this to avoid contentions and strifes. <laughs> yeah, context, context. The striving here is you're striving together as one body, like an army. The army, the soldiers, are standing shoulder to shoulder, locking their shields together pushing together stepping together in unison as one machine one march one body pushing together pushing against the enemy fighting to fighting working together striving together what are we fighting we're fighting sin darkness we're fighting the army of hell how the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but are mighty through god to the pulling down of strongholds the word of god doctrine theology the gospel of jesus christ the faith and prayer and faith they may stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel for for the gospel this is the banner this is the purpose this is the torch this is the everything this is our marching orders this this is what we are marching for fighting for this is what we are what we are are staying here because this is what is more needful this is what is keeping us here the gospel of jesus christ salvation of lost souls salvation of lost souls And if this, and if the gospel of Jesus Christ, if lost souls are so important that God himself would give his own life for it, then I kind of think it's worthy enough for me to give my life for it, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you agree? Would you agree that the gospel of Jesus Christ then is worthy enough for your life? That it's worthy enough for you to give up your life for it? To give up your worries, your fears, your stresses, your desires, your lusts, your goals, your everything for it? If he could give up everything for it, doesn't that make it worthy enough for us? With one mind, one spirit, one truth, one one point one purpose striving together for the faith of the gospel colossians chapter 4 verse 6 colossians chapter 4 verse 6 let your speech be always with grace seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer every man let your conversation first peter three fifteen, but be always ready to uh, to know how you ought to answer every man when they come and ask you the hope within you Look at verse 28. And like I said earlier, when I was getting all worked up about, about how I just, honestly, honest to God, I do not care what any naysayer says. 
You can't scare me. <laughs> I've seen a lot. I've experienced a lot. I've been around a lot of crazy people. Um, my previous job, I worked as a as high security in this one resort. We had body armor, everything, and we dealt with a lot of a lot of fights. Um, on this resort, there were several large bars, and there'd be a lot of uh, bar fights. And our job was to go and stop the fights, and sometimes the fights would be quite something else. Uh, the largest I've ever seen there was a 30-man battle royale. It was a huge fight, like old western, when all of a sudden the whole place just explodes, and everyone, everyone is fighting to kill everyone. It's just insane. And there's bottles, broken glass, all kinds of stuff, weaponry and everything, and uh, all kinds of people. That, that It gets wild. And you learn after a while in dealing with that, that uh, at first you're scared of getting involved when you first start the job. And there's the timidity, the hesitation. But as you learn and you get more training and you grow in this, you get fam more familiar with the job and how it works and, and dependability on your coworkers, you start to lose fear. You start to learn the, how to work together and you, you know what the other person is going to do by the training that you've all had you're all in what working as one mind one body in unison you all know what you're doing what each other's doing you can read each other's body language and you work together because you see in verse 28 here and in nothing terrified by your adversaries why because the saints are working together of one mind, one body, one spirit, one faith, working together. You know how each other's thinking because everybody is marching by the same orders of the same faith, of the same spirit, of the same mind, of the same Lord. When the saints are, are, are in danger and threat, you're praying and you're helping, you're encouraging, you're uplifting, you're edifying, you're preaching, you're teaching, you're witnessing, you're, you're preaching and proclaiming Jesus Christ. You know what you're doing. You're not terrified by the pagan, the heathen. You're not terrified by the godless, uh, by the God-hating, the Christ-hating. You're not terrified by the hounds of hell. You're not even scared. You don't even flinch when the dragon roars. You don't even flinch. You just grin back and say, is that all you got? Cry louder. It's Elijah on Mount Carmel. Because you got to think of it just for a moment. Is actually uh, the story of Elijah is one one of my absolute top all time favorite stories of the whole Bible. Because it's quite something. We're nothing terrified. Okay, this is one man. Now, Elijah at first was terrified because of Ahab and Jezebel. You need to understand the immensity of those two people. King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. Jezebel, the queen of the witches. A human sacrificing 
Satan-worshipping, prophet-murdering, God-hating, absolute, just witch of hell. Where she would find great joy in slaughtering the prophets of God. And Ahab defended her, protected her, and promoted her ways, her beliefs. And he also participated. And not just that, but they had swayed the majority of all Israel into human sacrificing, baby sacrificing, Satan worshiping, prophet killing, God hating religion. Setting up satanic temples with satanic priests, with satanic teachers, going around rounding up the God believers and killing them and promoting Satan worship, human sacrifice all throughout Israel. To the point that the prophets that remained ran and hid in the caves. Obadiah, a secret, a secret worshiper of Jehovah God, a servant of Ahab, was secretly rounding up the prophets and hiding them in the caves and was secretly feeding them and, and providing for them. This is what Elijah was up against all by himself. that he went and challenged Ahab to a god-off, a god-battle, a Mount Carmel. And so Ahab agreed to it and rounded up 400, 400 high priests of Satan. And all of their black robes marching in 400 of these men who wanted to murder elijah more than anything they wanted to kill him so bad and they come marching in snake form marching up to mount carmel setting up their satanic altar with their satanic sacrifices and they start their satanic chants and satanic dances calling on the names of the devil and conjuring satan cutting themselves screaming out and all of their satanic chants cutting themselves can you imagine the scene and Elijah standing there, do you think, do you wonder if maybe his flesh was scared? Do you think his, his flesh, as he is no different than you or me, that he was a bit worried? His flesh would be scared. But he knew. He knew. He knew the truth. He knew. That the Lord God is real. He knew that the God of his fathers would not betray him. He knew that the God of his fathers was still God on the throne. 
He knew that, that what these ones are calling on were nothing but fallen angels masquerading and pretending to be deities. That they are no gods. That there is only one God. And then he reminded himself of this. And he, and he kept holding this in his mind. Going over it again and again. And this is what stayed off the fear and the doubt and the worry and the stress. And this is what caused him to stand up, square his shoulders, and look them in the eye and mock their gods. Because he you know, he wasn't even worried if they did kill him, because he knew God is still God. Doesn't it doesn't matter what you do to me, you can't kill him. You can't stop him. The Lord would just have someone else stand in my place, and no other prophet stood with him. Of all the other prophets that were still in Israel, none of them stood with him because they were too scared. They were too scared. Just as Apostle Paul, when he stood before Caesar, he says, no man stood with me because everyone else is too scared. But how can you be not scared? How can you be in nothing terrified? Fear hath torment. But perfect love casts out all fear. When you remember the love of Jesus Christ, when you remember the love of the Lord, you, you remember his promises, you remember his gospel, you remember what, what, what he is, who he is, what he's about, you remember his throne, his word, his kingdom, his power, his reign, his sovereignty, you remember him and him alone, nothing else matters. All the fear, all the worry, all the terror just melts away, and you stand up and you just tell that old world, you tell that old devil, you scream at the gates of hell, cry louder, and nothing terrifies. You really think your debauchery, you really think your godlessness, you really think your atheism that you promote in the schools, you promote in the White House, you promote in the Parliament, you promote everywhere else in all the government, all society, you think that can stop him? God's sitting on his throne laughing at you. He thinks, he thinks what you're doing is nothing but a joke. He who sits on the throne laughs and he, he causes them to be in derision. The kings of the earth gather themselves together against the Lord and against the Lord's anointed. But he who sits in the heavens shall laugh at them. God laughs at your raging. He laughs at your godless logic, at your debauchery. He laughs at this because you think that that, that that is going to cause him to go away. You think you can kill God. You think you can stop his word. You think you can drown out the church. You think you can kill off the saints. The Lord says his generation will always remain, will never fade away. You can't stop them. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter how they rage, what they say. It doesn't matter what they scream. It doesn't matter how they slander you. It doesn't matter how they lie about you. It doesn't matter how they mistreat you. It doesn't matter how people abandon you. You keep preaching Christ and you keep magnifying the Lord and nothing terrified. For nothing, nothing terrified by your adversaries. And Elijah stood there. And he stood there. And for hours and hours. And he and do you do you think, do you think even for a moment that, that Elijah said his flesh would start with all of the hypotheticals? What if? What if that they call upon and their their God brings down a flame of fire? What if it happened? What would you do? 
What if this? What if that? What if their God did answer? What if their, their sacrifice in their own blood did cause a flame to appear? What if? What would you do? What would you do? Don't ever, don't you ever pay attention to the hypotheticals. These kinds of hypothetical situations are nothing but delusions and lies of devils that they're bringing up in your mind in an attempt to invalidate this. But what if God doesn't keep his word? What if he doesn't help? What if he doesn't hear your prayers? What if maybe the gospel isn't true? Or what if, what if this, what if that? That's nothing but devils trying to invalidate the promises of God. You retort with, Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Elijah standing there, he'd be brushing off all the doubts. He'd be brushing off all the fears, all those demonic hypotheticals, pushing it aside because no, because God is true. God is real. There is only one truth, one way, one life. There's only one cross, one spirit, one salvation, one word, one heaven. There's only one Lord God. And there is none else. These others are, are, are devils pretending to be gods. And you rip their mask off. You reveal them for what they are to the world. And you preach Christ unashamed. And Elijah stood up and he started laughing. Cry louder, cry louder. Maybe your God's asleep. Cry louder, cry louder. Maybe he's on a long journey. Cry louder, cry louder. Maybe he's hard of hearing. Well, well, that's not nice. You're, you're, you're making fun of other people's ways of life. You shouldn't be making fun of other people's belief systems. Stop judging like that. You're not being very loving. You're being ju judge not, judge not. Leave them alone. Leave them in their sin. Who do you think you are? But Elijah spoke up the truth and he didn't care what other people thought. He didn't care about the about the roars of the wolves, the howling of the wolves. He didn't care about the braying of the goats. He didn't care about the about the biting of the rats. He didn't care about any of that. He didn't care about the 400 satanic priests that wanted to murder him. He proclaimed the truth of God. And because he was faithful because he stood his ground, stood fast. Because he planted his feet and he would not move from the truth. He would not waver from the truth. He was not ashamed of the truth. And because he held his ground and he kept the faith, he equipped himself, he was strong in the Lord. The Lord honored his request. And they went forth preaching everywhere, and the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. And the Lord confirmed the word of Elijah with a great sign. The Lord brought down the fire. The Lord stoked the fire. The Lord, he consumed the sacrifice, the wood, the stone, the earth, and lapped up the water. And he made a show of them openly. Just as the gospel of Jesus says about the gospel of the cross, that Christ made a show of them openly. We make a show openly. 
publicly. We preach the truth. Verse, tw verse 29, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Look at what he says in verse 29. For unto you, unto you, unto me, it is given by God, not only to believe on Jesus Christ, but also to suffer for him. As he suffered, as the apostles suffered, as the prophets suffered, as all the servants of the Lord God have suffered from time immemorial all the way up through to now, and then all that will be, it is given to us to honor him, to praise him, to preach him, and to suffer for him. To suffer the persecutions, to suffer the mockings, the cruel mockings, the scoffings and the trials, to suffer the humiliations, to suffer the cursings, the, the abandonments, the starvations, the imprisonments, to suffer it all because he is worthy. He is worthy, for thou art worthy. Romans 5, 3. We're almost done. Romans 5, 3. And not only so, but, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. The hope of glory, the hope of Christ makes us not ashamed. When the time comes, if the time comes, and I'm arrested, being a Christian, for being a preacher. I'm arrested for preaching Christ. And I stand in that courtroom and I start and I face that godless judge in those pe that pagan jury and the atheistic everyone else. And they're surrounding me and scoffing and mocking and arresting me because I'm a I'm a preacher of the gospel because the Bible's hate literature. <laughs> you 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 better turn on the television because it's going to hit breaking news because I'm telling you, they're going to get a gospel message like they've never heard before. <laughs> you just gave me a congregation to preach to. You gave me a pulpit, the witness stand. You gave me a pulpit. And I'm telling you, you're going to get the gospel. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm going to do that. If they if they dare arrest a preacher of God, you better bet your last bottom bottom dollar, uh, they're gonna get an earful. <laughs> they won't know what hit them. I'm telling you, oh, their demonic heads will spin. Verse thirty, having the same conflict which ye saw in me, and now here to be in me, just as Paul suffered, as Christ suffered, all the servants of God suffered, so will we. Anyone who stands for the Lord will suffer. And people wonder, and this is what actually causes a lot of Christians to lose faith. Well, I thought the Lord would help me and protect me and defend me if I served him. Why is everything going bad? Why am I having so much problems? I'm serving. I thought the Lord would bless me and, and uh, this wouldn't happen. What, pray tell, gave you the thought that you would not suffer if you served the Lord? 
you realize Joel Osteen's a liar. He's a false prophet. He's a preacher of hell. As is Copeland and Hagen and Myers and White and all the rest of them. Bill Johnson and all the rest of them. Stephen Burdick. They're all a bunch of lying, charlatan, false prophets of hell. The gospel of Jesus Christ isn't going to make you have your best life now. That's a lie of hell. Jesus says, all those who believe in me will suffer tribulation. You will suffer tribulation for my name's sake. They will hate you because of me. In this world, you shall suffer. But it's in how you deal with the suffering. You can scream and curse and whine and cry and spit and chew. Or you can praise the Lord anyways. You know, there are actual records, mostly in Fox's Book of Martyrs, of how many born-again Christians were slaughtered for being a Christian, for preaching, the, for, for preaching the gospel, preaching Christ, thrown to the lions, tortured to death, burned at the stake. How many of them screamed out the gospel of Jesus Christ while they were dying? While they were being burned at the stake, they were, they, were, they were shouting out the gospel of Jesus Christ. While they're being thrown to the lions, they were shouting out the gospel of Jesus Christ. You and you wouldn't believe how many people got saved as a as a product of that. There's one event where a bunch of Christians were thrown in the Colosseum to the lions, and they started preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to the crowd. People in the crowd were believing on the Lord getting saved and jumping in to join with them and preach the gospel to the rest of the people. How beautiful to the Lord is the death of his saints, as the scriptures say. What a greater testament of faith than even going to your death for the gospel of Christ. Being that determined. That determined. Forbear their threatenings and in nothing terrified. I don't care what you throw at me. You can't make me stop. You can't make me stutter. That's Paul and Barnabas. Preaching Christ and singing the hymns in the stocks in the deepest cell of the dungeon. And the jailer gets saved. Joy. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Joy is strength. You want your faith to be stronger? Seek joy. You want your prayers to be stronger? Pray with joy. You want your witnessing to be better? Preach in joy. It's a glad message of great tidings of great joy unto all people for God so loved is that not joyous that he gave his only begotten son he gave himself that self-sacrificing love what greater joyous message is that that he gave himself for us not only that he gave himself but he rose again the third day to prove the power what joy is that great joy the gospel, gospel means good news. 
Philippians. The happiest book of the Bible. Chapter 1. We have a few more chapters to go. Let it stoke the fire of your faith. Get on fire for the Lord. Get worked up. People get worked up about politics. They get worked up about their job. They get worked up about issues and problems. They get worked up about this and that. What about getting worked up for Christ? I need that on a shirt. Worked up for Christ. Because <laughs> that's what we need. We need people who are passionate and zealous. But not just zealous, but joyously zealous. Fervently, joyously zealous. Worked up about a good thing. And what, a, what better thing is there? For this is more needful. This is uh, something that is more needful to get worked up about. You get worked up about your president, the government, and the laws, and the paganism, and debauchery, and the stupidity that's going on. You get all worked up about that. What about getting worked up about the gospel of Jesus Christ that can fix that? That can pull a person out of that filth and debauchery and change them and turn them into a saint of God. What about getting worked up about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Get worked up about, worked up about something that is worthy and more needful get worked up for the gospel of jesus christ seek the joy of the lord for he has given us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness praise joy grace power that's what philippians is all about so there you go so any, if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights, anything else at all, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. I'd be glad to hear from you. So I hope this message has been a blessing, a help, a comfort, and encouragement to you. If you appreciate these studies, please give us a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe, hit the notification bell icon so we put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We've got tons and tons of other content and goodies and studies and everything over there. So make sure you check it out, as well as our website christiancoffeetime.ca please make sure you check that out we have links to all our other platforms and goodies and we have our free downloadable gospel track pdfs you just download that and you print it off yourself and you put it on a usb key go over to a library or print shop somewhere as a printer and print them off there and it's all free no catch free gospel tracks for you all you gotta do is print them off so get busy about that get it out there do not be ashamed do not be ashamed, but be joyously worked up about a good thing, about the truth of Jesus Christ. For there's nothing greater, more powerful, more joyous, more worthy than the truth of Jesus Christ. Who cares what anyone else says? They may scowl, frown, raise their eyebrow at you, make fun or whatever else, joke about it. Give them the gospel give them the gospel you never know saul of tarsus became the apostle paul mockers became preachers revilers became witnesses christ haters became missionaries atheists become believers sinners become saints get busy about the lord 
All right, let's go down through the comments here. And oh my goodness, lots of comments. Uh, okay, Sunny Day says, "I'm just starting. I'm starting to just concentrate first on explaining the gospel, why we need to be saved, and giving the gospel of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection." then apologetics what do you think no that's good because you need a base a foundation on which you build everything on so you want to learn the tenets the core tenets the the main pillars of the faith which is uh, uh, the gospel of salvation by grace and the person of jesus christ uh, uh, how we're saved by grace what that means who jesus is and uh, what he came to do and why it, it, it gets sound in that grounded in that and then you start building on then you start reaching out build up the base first the fundamentals first that's perfect so yeah um okay going down through the comments okay uh Angela says, I've become so spiritually weak, it's hard to even start a little fire. This message has uh, has been a blessing. And that's, that's how you do it. This is how you start a spiritual fire. Uh, go, just going to the last comment, too, here, uh, about how do you stay, how do you stay fired up cons- consistently? By not growing tired of the praise. By not growing tired of the joy. It's the flesh, the world, and the enemy that wants you to get apathetic to that. Do you think the angels ever grow tired of singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty going around the throne? That's all they say. Do you think they ever get tired of that? Do you think they ever turn to each other and say, how much longer do we have to do this? Do you think we're almost done? I want to go do something else. Do you ever think they're like that? Or do you think they're always joyously praising? What? What do you think causes them to keep going? By seeing, knowing, remembering who and what he is. Because it's when you wander off into the shadows and you can't see the Lord clearly is when you start to grow tired, apathetic, and you get distracted and hindered. You want to stay on fire? You need to stay in the light. You need to stay with this. You need to keep at it. Keep added it's a daily thing a daily striving daily work you bring yourself in and you praise the lord you rejoice in him read his word pray serve the lord spend time quality time and it's not just a regurgitation list but start talking to the lord about the lord what he's about what he did for you thanking him praising him and then and then talk to him fellowship spend time Ask him to help you. Ask him to teach you to pray. Teach you how to praise. Ask him to teach you, to show you. And he will. He will. He's just waiting for you to ask. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. Daily. And you'll find it'll start to rewire your brain. Your reactions to things will start to change. And, and you'll start to see the Lord in everything, bringing the Lord into everything. Because that's what you want. That's how you keep it consistently. You need to be consistent. You want the Lord to consistently help you? You need to be consistent. Uh, 
Angela says, if I could fully be confident in Jesus, how much Jesus could use me. Spiritually, spiritually I'm afraid and curled up in a corner. I need to change. I like that you say it starts small. And you start small. You start by by learning how to explain the faith just in of itself. Like, how, how do you know you're saved? Well, because I believed in Jesus. Why? What reason? What purpose? Who is he? Why do I have to? What happens if I don't? Start asking these questions. Answer them from the word of God. You need to build up the foundation of salvation itself first. It's, it, you see when the, they're building a house, when the uh, workers come, they're going to build a house. What they do is they first start by building the walls, right? No, no, no. They first start with shingling the roof first. No, no. They need, they need to dig the foundation first. We need to lay a foundation first. Who's our foundation stone? It's Jesus Christ. We need to lay the foundation first of his person, who he is, what he is, what he came to do, and what the gospel is. The, this, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the foundation of everything. You, you, can't, you can't expect to be a good witness and evangelist if you don't have a foundation. The fundamentals of the faith. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Study that, learn that, know how to explain that first. All right. Um, down through the comments here. All right. Natalie says, I don't have all the answers. I want to start ha handing tracts like now. I will tell them I don't know everything, but I will preach the gospel. Yeah, and, and that's that's the the beauty of these simple tracts, which uh, we provide for free at christiancoptime.ca. Just print them off yourself. Is You just hand them out, but they're also written for a dual purpose. Not only is it meant to be handed out, but these tracts... Our instruction manuals for evangelists that explains the gospel of how to explain the gospel by these it's very little of my own words as I, I wrote these very little of my own words and it's scripture heavy memorize the verses the first one explains the gospel how to be saved and the second one explains the deity of Jesus Christ and use these get one we also have uh, I believe we have available with the uh, downloadable is an option for um, the, an email version. So you can actually get the, an e, the email PDF. You just connect the PDF, which is an e-track, an e-gospel e, 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 e track. And you can email it to people. So we have the downloadable version for print. And we also have the e-track e where you can uh, email to people. So uh, get yourself some of those. All right. Um, so there you go. So with that, get, get yourself busy. Get yourself fired up. Get busy doing something and praise the Lord and ignore the naysayers. Serve the Lord in fear and trembling for the Lord is pleased with what you're doing. You're not doing it for the, for the pleasure of people. You're not doing it for the praise of men. You're doing it for the praise of God. All heaven is behind you. All heaven is rejoicing with you. And that's all that matters. So get busy. All right. Um. So now, yeah, just go.
Just go and do it. Go and proclaim the good news. Proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Serve the Lord in fear and trembling in all that you do, in everything that you do, to draw them so that you could tell them the good news. So with that, I'll wrap that up there. Thank you so much for joining in. God bless you, folks. God bless all those who love his holy word. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. And if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.